So, we're back again. Another week to have a conversation. I know. I don't know how to say anything other than hello. How are you doing? So, I got a new cup. Okay, so, from what we've been talking about, and kind of feel like we're rehashing a little bit again, is what we expose our kids to. And what is it? What do we struggle with coming up? And I remember, um, and and what's right, what's wrong? What do we shelter our kids from? What is over sheltering? Or uh, I think one of the things is helicopter parenting um, is a term. But I, but specifically where media is concerned, I was um, I was talking about nowadays. I get reminded on my phone every time I do something that um, it's uh, my phone is. Um, What's screen the word? time. Screen time. Thanks. I couldn't think of it. I walk in and it says, you've been on the screen for this long or that long. And so, um, you know, that's what's going on. But when we were younger, when you and I were first married, we just had, you know, Josiah and, and Hannah and Aaliyah and Micaiah, I think, when we first moved into our little blue house. Uh, we were trying to figure out, you know, at that point, they're watching more and more television with us or entertainment stuff with us. And specifically entertainment stuff, what's the... How do we judge what's good, what's right, wrong? How do we balance that? And you know, that's an, it's a question that the kids have been asking us, I think, on and off, as they now are having their own kids and they're coming. You know, what is our oldest grandchild now? She's almost five. Almost five. Jeez, I'm not that old. We're not, I'm not old. You're not old enough to have. Five. You are not old enough to have five grandchildren. Yep, I am. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts? I mean, what did, what were you were talking about it a minute ago before we went live? I don't know what was recorded or not. We were talking about how the kids had enjoyed Adventures in Odyssey because it was something we listened to on trips and such. And um, it was always really entertaining. But how they were teasing me the other day about not letting them watch um, Rugrats because there's one little girl on there that had a bad mouth toward adults or toward... I totally forgot about that. Um... I didn't like that being portrayed in front of them because I felt like that was something that would influence them, which I still believe that's probably true, although kids are funny. I was just talking to Judah a second ago as far as what really does influence them. He he acts like it's completely separated out. He sees it all as fantasy, and he might entertain the thoughts, but he really doesn't collect anything that's not what he believes. So he said, although if I see a biblical theme, because I ask him, well, what do you see? What if you see a non-unbiblical you know, unbiblical theme? Do you... Is it attractive? Do you kind of, you know, does it stay in your mind, whatever? He said, no, not really. He said he can dismiss it pretty quick. But he said, but if I see a biblical theme, I re- relate to it, and, and it kind of uh, connects with me. So I don't know. I, I feel like kids are more discerning than we think they are about, so. about what's honoring to their parents and what's in, held up in the home. However, we also know that even peers at school can be influential. So it's not like they aren't influenced, but I do think that, you you have to it's kind of a hard line to find because there's you could be too restrictive of it I know parents that have been and kids you know do right the opposite when they're outside of the home they've even come into our home and said well my parents won't let me do this but I want to do it here that that's bothers me but but then there are some families who you feel a little bit more like you know you wonder if they it shouldn't be restricted more hopefully we're not going to look into that family and decide for them because that's not our job to do but when we've been pastoring people and they've asked us, we've you know kind of had to say, well, it's really got to be about what your home is about, how much you're holding up the biblical principles and being able to live them from day to day basis, because that's what the kids really do measure. They really do measure 
what they're seeing lived out, not what is being said. And I think sometimes that's that's important. Where the don't you think? I mean, I'm um. Yeah, I want to be consistent with what I say and what I do, what they're seeing lived out. Hopefully our, our kids can watch a TV and then when somebody winds up shooting someone because they're mad at them on a television show, they know that we're not going to shoot them because they're mad at them at the house. They can differentiate between well, <laughs> video games. That That is one thing that's changed a great deal since um, when I was little. You know, we'd run outside and we'd go bang, you're dead. And, um, and then we'd have an argument about whether or not the bullet hit one another as we were using our stick weapons at one another. So as, as, long, as, as long as we've been alive and even little boys beyond that, the Christmas special... Um, about you'll shoot your eye out the, the Christmas story um, which I didn't see until I was an adult um, but uh, you know so there's always boys want to do their thing and nowadays it seems I get tickled because um, I drive I walk past and you got these video games going on and they're in different rooms talking on speakers and there's the same conversation in a different venue now I've got one son in Florida, one son in Italy, and the boys here, and all of those four boys can sit down and have a conversation and basically play, play cops and robbers or guns or now whatever you know whatever military disaster scenario. And but what's you funny, killed me is the thing that they yeah. yell at one another all the time because the game doesn't let you argue about being dead. The right. game makes a decision for you, which is a little more lifelike. But anyway, but what's funny is they haven't they haven't praised. The game. They'll tell you about the game. And some, some of the games are more interesting than others. Although the only ones they really come tell us about are when they have kind of biblical themes, which are fascinating to the boys. But just the other day, they, um, uh, both of them, Elijah and Jude, I think, were so excited because they got to play a game with Noah and Josiah. Like you said, they were looking forward to playing. Or, or you know, they were, they were excited. What thrilled them was the relationships. They were... They were so excited about playing that game with their brothers who are so far away. So still to me, that's kind of evidence that it's not the game that influences them. It's the relationships that influence them. So whether or not these media things come and go in their mind and likely can, can play some themes, I don't feel like that's the danger as much as making sure they're having some relationships that are valuable and that those are the ones that they're discerning more so. Like people that they're hanging with or, or influences that are more direct, I feel like are a little bit more of a, a challenge or a, a discernment that they should, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, the question I just was jotting down because my ADHD mind won't let me remember things if I don't, um, is what what is, okay, so if you take the question is what from a parent asking a older parent you know grand you know grandkid thing um, what should we expose our children to um, should we expose our children to things that are you know not age appropriate as they're coming along well obviously that's not a good idea but my question is what in te what actually teaches and instills the values in the child and what I hear you saying is it's not necessarily what they see but what they see reinforced in real life so yeah. is that right? Is that so? It's like yeah. you know, bang bang. They're doing that, but their relationships are what's happening. They're talking. They're using that as a tool, but they don't get up and actually shoot one another when they're ticked at one another because that's not what's you know valued in real life. Life matters to us. And yeah, well, I was gonna say, well, like what we believe, and I think the Holy Spirit plays a big part in this because we are Christians and we live that way. But we see those themes played out. They they inherently know what is really good or bad, and even though the inherent evil in them will maybe rise up in anger or rise up in whatever, there's a conscious that plays a role of what's really the right line to cross or not. 
So if they've got right, right relationships around them, I do think they're more discerning about that than mm-hmm. we might think they are. I guess that's what I, I keep coming back to, that um, their minds, their hearts are more sensitive to what's real, what's truth, what's real, what's something they should bring into their souls than it may seem at first because they are very much influenced, but they're more influenced by the people who are directly in their their trust factors, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to turn my coffee cup around because I'm not left-handed and I write on it that's important and unrelated to anything you just said to me. Yes, uh, as a matter of fact, studies that I have read show that the peers have more influence on one another than peers. Their siblings have more influence on one another than parents do, Mm -hmm. which uh, seven children, eight children later, and um, still some growing up, is extremely true. Oftentimes (laughs) we hear them more echoing, and it's kind of actually really fun now to watch the oldest children who are out of the house and have families of their own Parent, trying to parent the yeah. younger ones. <laughs> parent or strongly influence and discipline the younger mm-hmm. ones or at least encourage them along a path that leads towards life rather than death. Well, even ones who that. are coming in from the outside, which I won't name names, but they get corrected by a, a little bit older teenagers who think yeah. they know right better now because they're 19 versus us. <laughs> It is kind of fun. It's kind of fun as a as a parent of older children to kind of watch them and go, know where that came from, you know. And uh, the, probably things they need to be corrected on themselves. That's probably so. Say you're a young mom, and because you was once, um, you were have always been a mom, and you still are young. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Just to be clear about that, I'm the old man in the house. Um, but what was your thought processes when you first got into? Okay, now we got a kid. How are we gonna? What what did you think shelter? What did you think was exposure shelter? How how did we see that? We can talk about how we argued about it and how we differed <laughs> in a minute. But what did you think when you well, were going into that as to what's appropriate? How are we going to put our kid into environments that will promote life? I never life? thought overthought it, and at the same time, always at the back of my mind was what my mom had always said: you want them to think like you do, because in reality. The things that we are or do is what's going to be reinforced, like we just said. So in reality, again, the real for them is what they're experiencing at home. Right. So if that's true, then first we watch our own lives because that's direct influence. That's exactly what they say kids will um, listen to what you say and they'll do what you do. You know, so it's whatever. not – so the approach of but do what I say, not what I do is probably not your best right parenting model. Opposite. Yeah, exactly. But, but because the truth is you can say whatever you want, but reinforced is going to be your life. So anyway, so that, that I think rang true to me at first. I knew that if I wasn't doing whatever it was that I wanted them to do, it wasn't going to bode well for me. So then as it came and as you're, cause we were, we also taught at home. So the difference in the way we approach things was probably thinking also now not only do we have that influence which I think a lot of parents can think they can get away with it because they can leave them for a little while you know come back in those few minutes they have with them must be this valuable time which is wise and they should use that time valuable and, and should watch it but I think when you think about teaching from your home now you're thinking about the whole picture a little deeper you're thinking what am I educating them about and what does every 
minute of our day kind of look like that you know these kids are gonna they're gonna wake up with me they're gonna eat lunch with me they're gonna watch what I'm doing in the middle of the day they're also gonna go to bed you know yeah so it was a little heavier from that perspective to me but it was also a good way to approach it because then you do feel like you're accountable to that you're accountable for pretty much every waking minute what am I teaching them um the one homeschool style that I always wanted to do but didn't ever feel like I would really do it very well was called unschooling where you literally just walk through the day with your child you take them as you go through the day you're gonna you know make breakfast so they're gonna help you cook they're gonna help you clean they're gonna do measurements they're gonna you know maybe go out to the garden with you you're gonna teach them as you go um maybe you're gonna sit down and watch a documentary and they're gonna learn from that whatever it's it's true to life anyway but I didn't ever completely uh, take it on as the schooling approach because I always felt like there was a little bit of me that wanted them to sit down and do a worksheet, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the truth of that method is that's what's really happening. You really are walking through life with your child and they're learning with you. So if you value books and reading, they're going to value books and reading, likely. If you watch, you know, nonsense on TV, they're going to choose nonsense on TV. If you... Um, There's a little conviction take, right there, just went right over my Well, you know, but it's true. Well, I mean, kids um, learn that way. I mean, anyway, yeah, if before they out, can talk, they're mimicking. So that's exactly. their first learning style is to mimic so if what we're, they So if we're aware of that, that's a pretty heavy burden to bear, but it is also an accountability in its own self. I think a lot of parents who don't see themselves as their child's teacher, they see someone else, you know, sending them to this or that environment to have them taught relieves them of that burden it's not true at all there may be some specific skills they can learn in that setting but those children if you interview them they're going to talk more about what mom and dad did less about what this or that teacher there's a valuable teacher here and there that will be reflected but it's funny how i mean i even think of some great teachers in my life my life but i don't talk about those teachers yeah. I talk about my mom and dad. So, and I, you know, my parents worked outside the home, so it wasn't like they homeschooled me and they were my only teacher, but that's still my main teacher. I think any child, that's just true. So the values that they live out, the ones who go to jail, the ones who end up, these are also things they saw in the home. Don't you think? Do you think, well, so how do you deal with that? Let me ask this question, and I'm curious what your take is on it because I'm not sure the answer is I'm thinking about it. Um, I'm on the top of my head, it's just so bad today. The um, sorry, just scratching my head. If anybody's not looking, um, the uh, it's a it's a thought. I'm working on a thought. The uh, so if the peer or the sibling is the greater influence than the parent, well, um, I'm thinking. So the question is. I was an oldest it, child, so I don't know that that applies to me. Well, an oldest child, and, and well, then there's birth order. We'll go yeah. through all that because I'm also an oldest child, and but I but I had a very different reaction to my parents than you had to yours. Your mom wasn't was someone you really really wanted to be like. I wasn't sure what I what to do with my own family's <laughs> world, and, and and I and you know without being critical, it's just they did what they knew, and I, yeah. I there were some things I mimicked and some things I picked up, but not a bunch. Was my brother a huge influence on me? Not really. I mean, probably. I, I don't know. I think, I, I think that there's probably a lot of things that, because you've said when Tom and I are together, there's you're not always so thrilled about that because I oh, become, you, see, we, you yeah. say maybe maybe we don't maybe I don't become like him. Maybe all of a sudden you see the things about me that that you don't like in him. I don't know. It, <laughs> there's reflections of your home and the ways you're like, even though you're adopted. Yeah. Well, maybe because so, yeah. okay. So what occurred to me when you said that is, 
And there's environments in the home also. So you had parents who were good, who chose you, who loved you with a physical or a, um, an action type of love. So they, they brought you in, they you know, brought you up physically, took care of you, even disciplined you, whatever. But there was a nurturing aspect of that that do you feel like was ever really captured? I think when your dad died and he blessed you for the rest of your um, kind of career, you felt mm-hmm. that sort of... In, in your heart and I wonder about yeah. the connections you made otherwise with with uh, you know adoptive uh, kids there's a little bit of a struggle I'm just saying to try to feel that connection I, I don't know sometimes well it's easy and, I, and I think that you kind of hit on something because I mean adoption whether I was adopted or not really never was a factor that played into who I am very well I no, mean right. you know I never really desired to search that out except for you know to discover why my hair was gray when I was 20 yeah, right. in which we I think we've through my son deciding to do 23 and me apparently we're Irish which makes which sense awesome, um, yeah she always likes Irish music and now we know why because I'm Irish um, <laughs> so uh, the uh, the um, the blessing definitely side note you know caused the negative things that happened in my life to um, fade into unimportance so when I was younger and my dad was um, what I perceived at that point critical of me was shaping and impacting me and made me rebellious in a lot of ways. My mom and dad's anything that was negative because there wasn't, in my view as a teenager, a lot of affirming things. Yeah. But now having raised teenagers, that teen, <laughs> that seems to be a view that teenagers most often take. Sure. I think it's natural. They're trying to break away and become adults. They, they think they're adults for somehow or another. Puberty makes you think you're suddenly a grown-up, um, which is... Wow. But there was a fight um, in you to but, feel uh, accepted by them or, or seen as valuable. Well, yeah, and I don't think I think that goes across personality types. And sure. we're not talking about personality types too. But I mean, as I've seen that with my own children, you know, it doesn't. And we've got almost every personality well, trip. We've phases. had enough kids to have. If we had nine yeah. kids, we would have at least at least all of the ones from the Instagram thing. But, um, <laughs> no, but anyway, what I was what I, my question earlier um, though, and this too, the, what I was going to say is the blessing shifted because I had a. a a pardon of acceptance, a sense of I've, I value. And I think for especially a dying wish for a dad who passed away, that shaped the way I saw him and, and the way my mind chose to remember everything. And suddenly that which yeah. was shaping and damaging was, was funny <laughs> and understandable. And I began to see my dad as a human. So, you know, that was timed well, both either intentionally or unintentionally on his part. You know, he just, he blessed who I was. The... Um, the, uh, the question that I'm dealing with in my thought is if we as parents are looking at what do we expose our kids to, you know, and, and the most important thing we can expose our kids to isn't media, it's us. Right. And because um, and I'm thinking, what about those kids? So you've got a parental thing and, and how much time in involves. So you've got parents, we spend time with our children, not as much because I work or you're home or, mm-hmm. you know, then you got siblings, they're there every day, all the time, sharing rooms, fighting together, working out life together, they're literally hammering it out. And then you've got peers. Mm-hmm. And so we send our kids into a like-minded, young and stupid um, <laughs> environment with where there's a teacher. Well, I don't think like the teacher's aged, the influence. Right. The teacher gives them work to do, but they, they interact with one another. So... 
Is there? I'm almost wondering if there's a uh, yeah, so much less of the influence. A disintegrate, a, a descending order of influence, <laughs> and um, you know, parents put the put the authority out there. Teachers are considered authorities, and so the kids have to process that. Siblings work that together with each other in the parental environment, mm -hmm. and they either receive that or reject that, and then they go into the school environment, and they now have all of this environment. You know, so many hours a day getting some authority there, and now they have to process all of this stuff, where do they lean? And I think for parents, it's really, really important that we have a, we're, we're, let me With say this, like, we are competing for the trust of our children. Yeah. Whether we know it or not, maybe that's where I'm going with this. I think we're competing from day one or from day, whenever our kids get exposed to the next, the next, we let them have friends in the neighborhood. We let them have, you know, or mm. we let them watch something on TV and that gives an idea of what things are. But the TV, unless that's all they ever experience, is, you know, not the number one thing they're spending time with. But um, so we're competing with what's going to well, influence the way they think, the way they talk, the way they interact. Right. And, um, and that's and like the we battle. like we talking about, a little bit of it is going through all these things with them, including media or whatever we, you know, I'm going to sit down and watch um, when I'm, when they're younger, I'm going to sit down and watch something with them and we're going to talk about it or, or we're going to goof about it or we're going to, and they're going to watch our reactions to that. So you're right. We're competing with how, whatever those trust factors are of, Mom, do you like this? Because I want to know if I should like this or whatever. Those kinds of things. As well as next in line would be siblings. Do you like this? Next in line would be peers. But I think you're right. There's a there's almost a point where from what you read that siblings kind of switch roles almost. Like they trust siblings a little bit more than they trust mom and dad. Some, some areas, some phases of life, you think. But then they come back around, it sounds like. And the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. And and is, you know, he will not depart from it. And I think that's what that's saying is when you started early, eventually they're going to come back to say, oh, yeah, mom and dad were right. I mean, because they can see those trends were true even when those phases of their lives, they were questioning them and pushing back and, and even rebelling. Um, as far as influencing from the outside, I think they, they bounce it all off of that, like you just said, right? Mm -hmm. What? mom and dad accepts or don't, don't accept or what siblings accept or don't accept. Peers play a little bit of a role, but not near as a role. And it depends on their phase of life also, don't you think? Elementary yeah, there maybe. seems to be no matter what you do, your kids are going to go, they're going to pull away from you. There's a natural, well, you, you want them to become adults. Is that what you're, is that what you're? I was talking about siblings. I mean, um, oh, peers. Oh. Peers at different stages of their lives play different roles. Like I feel like college age uh, peers are a little heavier maybe of a, influence but up to that point it yeah. depends because they can walk can they can, yeah they can run with a high school friend or two but doesn't seem as if that's a long-term influence it just tends to be here or there and what you know what they're experimenting with or what they're toying with or whatever might be engaging to them but otherwise if they've got a good environment at home, they'll still bring that home. Or that was yeah. our experience. And what we were really grateful for was it seemed to be that kids, our kids would bring things home and kind of bounce it off of us, even their friends or even their uh, I wonder love if, interests. I wonder if that's something that's unique to our kids or if we as parents sometimes are guilty of not being interested. I, I'm, I'm speaking for me because I'm so distracted by my, I'm so in my own head to use the term half the time that they're talking to me and I'm not hearing everything they're saying. And as a result, they just kind of pick up that they're not, I'm not hearing everything they're saying. And little by little, 
they go, well, I'm going to go somewhere where they'll hear what I'm saying. And then next thing you know, I no longer have my kid's ear. Well, I mean, in our family, one of so many, sure. They didn't feel like they were always heard or, or listened to. But I, back to when you were trying to know if they were, um, if you were accepted or uh, in your home, if you were nurtured in the right way, I think it's more about, I feel like in our home, they knew they were loved and, and received and, and wanted, whether or not they felt listened to all the time or yeah. maybe valued to the height that they would like to have because there were so many people to compete against. But there was still something about, and I want to go back to the fact that I wanted them to know they were loved by a, in a higher sense than even I could offer them. I wanted them to know God's love permeated our home so that it was a different approach than, than just a home where they were loved and, and accepted, but I don't feel like I can get that through to them. I, I feel like that has to be God that, that is showing them their value, showing them why they were created, more so even than we were able to. Well, we're humans, and we have this wonderfully flawed reality that, you know, what you said about them is true of us, too. You know, we, we um, and nothing's going to change unless there's something that happens in our hearts to where we desire to be shaped into something better than what we are. And, um, you know, we... And then, like Judah said, you really do choose the influences that allow, that you allow to change you, right? Yeah, that's, Judah's on board, on board, on track with that. <laughs> yeah, you're choosing the influences that you allow, you know, sure. I think that's, that goes back to the thought that I am started with, though, is what do we do as parents when it comes to exposing them to media or those kinds of things? Mm-hmm. You know, we tracked media. I jumped immediately off that train and said, well, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, it does. I mean, obviously we don't need to expose our kids to things that are, you know, their, their little brains aren't ready to process. But when it comes to just a general environment, you know, um, and I can kind of track into another direction a little bit with this as well. We want our kids to feel that that we want to be involved enough in the process along the way and open enough to them struggling with it along the way yeah. to where they will come back around and because they're going to they're going to experiment they're going to jut off which is really annoying because you're like hey you know <laughs> we're right here <laughs> but um but they do it seems like for so far for us all of our kids have have gone around we, we thought for a little while we were gonna, weren't going to have that much luck with well, a couple of them but um seems lose it well <laughs> that god, was that, that god could break the through the, the ice block of their brains or whatever yeah. but um but so far you know they get away and as soon as they get out of the house they're like oh we had something good going mm-hmm. on there unfortunately they're not all moving back in with us um well, but i really wish in fact i wish judah was in the room right now because the the thing that he said to me that i appreciated was that he doesn't feel like, and I don't know if it's 100% true because I think anything you expose yourself is going to influence you in some way or another, but I do think that somehow God got across to our kids what was real and what what isn't. So even when they are watching a TV show or they're listening, maybe they're even you know, walking with a friend and hearing a bunch of uh, whatever cursing style speech or this or that influence that causes them to uh, perk up and be challenged by that is all I'm trying to say. According to Judah, he said he really does dismiss a lot of that because it, it's not real to him. He, what was real is when he when he can connect the themes that he hears or the 
things that, in other words, he'll come back and talk about an artist that has a, a faith or something. He'll be so excited about it. Like, I, I, Mom, I just can't believe this. And, you know, whereas the things that he might hear on a regular basis, he'll even say, oh, you don't want to listen to this, or this is not good, or this is not, you know, because the things he heard at home. Now, of course, he's talking to me. So I guess he knows what I approve of, too. <laughs> he's saying so the words he's supposed to but say. But I believe it's genuine, especially when it comes from a Judah-type part. Yeah, he's, I think it's genuine. genuine. They may not be as colorful as you might say to someone else. but <laughs> Well, he's working through what is real, I guess is what I'm trying to say. All the influences in their lives are going to try to play a, a role. They're going to try to tell them a story. They're going to try to be a... An, uh, a sway, you know, one way or another, this is good or this is bad. But if they are um, at first known that they are loved and accepted from this angle, from this home, from God being their creator and, and Him giving them the purpose to their life, then prayerfully the rest of that stuff will filter out as not, first of all, not even as enjoyable. And second of all, as their conscience works with them to you know for God to clarify what's going to honor him what's going to bring them glory I I pray that that's how they'll discern what's good for them or what's allowable already I feel like you know our kids have tried to make some decisions based on that thing I think of school um, decisions they've had to make and such that where they've had to choose yeah, and it's hard. I, the, I almost don't know if this is another subject for another time, but one of the things that I think is so frustrating for me is we don't. We live in a culture that says that doesn't say honor your parents. We live in a culture that says make your own way. And while there are some parents out there, I would encourage some kids to make their own way away from because <laughs> you know they just they, it, it only takes a moment to become a dad. Um, <laughs> it takes a, a character, um, someone of character, to become a father. And um, I mean a true father, and uh, and so you know beyond being a physiological progenitor of fa- of offspring, um, being someone that's uh, that's looked up to, that's admired, you know that that's ideally what your parent what parents are supposed to be. And so we want to create an environment where um, we've tried to let me make it real personal. We've tried to create an environment where our kids can look at us and see a consistency of life. Uh, and that includes our struggles. I don't think we've hit our struggles. We have, yeah. for the record, we have never chosen to go back to the bedroom and fight out of the presence of our children. I think that's a self-control <laughs> issue more than it actually was. But also we've never left a fight unresolved secretly. I mean, our kids know that we resolve issues. And so they're learning by watching us how to, oh, and, and even more importantly, we don't we don't always call one another bad names when we're fighting. We don't ever really call one another bad names. You've called me a creep once and um and I apparently deserve I probably deserved it. Um but that's by the way the extent of, you know, your your acoustic language. <laughs> um but we don't. I mean, I value you enough as a person that when we're fighting this this is a good topic we can pick up another time, I think. But <laughs> when we're fighting, we have kind of unwritten rules. I mean, we could write some rules, and we have had for others, but we don't we don't we don't demean one another as people. We, we're we're battling through an issue together. Um, but uh, that's teaching our, all that to say our kids are learning by watching us mm-hmm. in everything we do, and we want to be the kind of people that in every environment. We have created a a, a, realness, a right? way that our kids go. Hey, this is a safe place to be, yeah. and to learn and to grow. So, and to not have to be 
a perf- what I would like to believe. Because <laughs> we've, we've learned if we don't let them watch a certain movie at our house, they'll go to their friend's house and watch it. Well, <laughs> what I'm saying is to walk through normal, real life and then try to struggle through it, just like Jacob struggled with God in the desert or whatever. It was. It's a day struggle. It's a. It's a. Things are going to be in your face. You're going to face. Am I going to? You know, how am I going to see this situation or deal with this situation or that or whatever? And like you're saying, we want them to feel like they can struggle with it with us. At the same time as, I mean, there's almost no way not to throw your standards at them or your ideals toward them. But to admit to them that you have failed in those ideals as well and that you're not, your standard is that standard doesn't mean you've reached it or kept it or, you know, perfect at it. So what I would like to believe is that we've held a standard for them. But we've also said, but here we need God's grace. So obviously you may have it also. And we give that to you. We give his grace to you. I feel like that's what I experienced in my home. I feel like the there was a, a standard and I knew the standard. And it broke my heart when I would break that. But I never felt as if I would be rejected, even though I hadn't you know, held up that standard or been lived up to that standard. So that's what I always pray that we've gotten across to the mm-hmm. kids and to anyone who comes in our home. I I pray that's what we've held up for our church as well, you know, for the people involved in any of our lives where they've they've known that we're not going to compromise what the Bible says, but we're also not able to perfectly live out what we even would desire to. I guess yeah. that's what I'm trying to say. But that's still the goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> like so... In answer to the question, how do you know what lines to draw? I just, <laughs> we don't know what yeah, lines right. to draw. <laughs> the, the, we didn't draw lines very well. We fought <laughs> over what the lines needed to look like. I'm, we still have periodic reminders, or I do, of lines I drew that should have been drawn differently. Um, no, we, we question still some things. But the, there's, yeah, I think there's my idea of what's black and white and your idea of what's black and white. And in between those two ideas is where the gray lives. And we've <laughs> between us, we found the gray lines. And, but overall, tried to create an environment of grace so that our kids grow up knowing, hey, mom and dad hopefully didn't, I don't know what the word over parents right didn't didn't crush us under the weight of their rebel you know our super strict parenting we were not we are such terrible we are the worst strict parents ever um, okay I mean, would you consider us strict parents well I think we had some uh, some ideals we didn't compromise on yeah well yeah there were some things we didn't compromise on I'm just saying that overall we didn't have the I perfect truly hope that we didn't get that label but Brush at the same three time I hope something. our kids knew that we weren't going to compromise I think, it's, I think it's a hard like you're saying you don't want to be called either one you don't want to be called you know laid back or, or um, yeah. liberal parents and you don't want to be called strict parents because either one sounds like it is too extreme and and yet um, very much holding up a you know, God sees you at all angles, and he knows everything, so you can't hide from him. <laughs> I said it once, and I'll say it a thousand more times. My belief is that my belief is that our desire as parents is to be parents that will always be desired in their children's lives because their children choose to come home. Not because they have to at Christmas or because they have to, but that when they're fighting with their spouses on who they're going to visit first at Christmas, it'll be us every time. Or the ones that they want to spend the rest of the day with, it'll be us every time. Nothing personal to any in-laws out there, 
But in this war of competition, <laughs> right, there you it's go. all about us winning every time. So we want to be the parents that are preferred over every other parent. And that's okay. just a simple little goal that yes. I have. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, so I'm okay with that. Unless we like the other parents, then, then I guess we can all get together at one time. Okay. And then we don't have to and share. we don't like? Is there any we don't? Never mind. So far, <laughs> so far we're okay, I think. Um, anyway, that's all I got. We, we need to wrap this up because kids are going to start bouncing in here in a minute. And then we'll actually have to have a large, larger audience. And studio, our studio audience is soon to arrive. <laughs> um, thanks for chatting with me again today. Oh, by the way, um, your flower bloomed again this year. Yep, it did. See? It, well, Three years in a row you have had a green it, thumb. No, I don't think it bloomed last year. I think it did bloom last year because I pointed it out. I remember pointing it out last year, and I remember thinking about a month ago. I wonder if it's going to come back well, this year. Well, just a little while did. ago, it was only that big, and it, I didn't know if it would come back. So we got to keep putting the pins on it and make it go taller and taller. Anyway, <laughs> love you, baby. Thank you so much for sitting down with me and having a cup of mystery drink in each one of our cups. <laughs> Mine's kind of brown, but that doesn't mean it's coffee. It's kind of icy. Anyway, with that said,